With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. Well, hello, everybody. What's going on? Welcome back, everybody. This is the Raising Hell in Jersey podcast. This is Jersey Joe. Uh, Jake Wakely will be coming on uh, in a little while. He'll be on for a little bit. And uh, we're just awaiting Alex Chavansy. And and uh, it's good to be back. It's been a while um, since I've uh, been on here. And I've missed it. I know I've been busy with my own stuff. But I really have missed talking about the Devils. And I know, and I know, wait, hear me out. And I know the season is not exactly going as well as everybody expected it to. However, recently, they've played a lot better. And for some reason, and when Alex gets on here, we can talk about this more. Some reason... The Boston Bruins cannot beat the New Jersey Devils for the life of me. We can discuss that, though. I mean, just talking about the, the points and the standings, I mean, Lindy Ruff made a big, important uh, decision of the whole entire season, challenging that uh, interference call, which really trickled down to getting that gold taken off the board. Absolutely. It was a great, great call. I had a feeling he might do it. I really what I really did think he was going to do it. I didn't think that, um, you know, that they were going to let it stand by. Because when I first watched it, I'm like, oh, I think this one needs to get challenged. And I think this is going to have to come back. Hey, hey look who on? we have on here. Mr. Hockey writer himself, Alex Chavancy. There he is. There he is. What's up? What's going on? Hey, Jake's in. <laughs> the house is full. I, I realized it has me connected twice, but then never mind. I realized There's well, two Jakes wait here. Wait a minute. We got the band back together for one night. Yeah, it's been a while. Boy, it's been a real <laughs> long time. This is rare for me. I'm not used to doing a podcast anymore. <laughs> yeah, are you even allowed to do this? <laughs> yeah, I got a break in the action for a bit. So I'm probably not going to do the whole thing with you guys, but I'm going to try and stay on as long as I can. Wait, why are you not allowed to do this? What? Why are you not allowed to, to do this? Who's well, preventing you? I am, but I've been busy. I've been busy with the wife looking after the daughter, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah, he's got to, he's got to make up, uh, he's got to make up some time. I get it. Yeah, he, he's got his coaching minutes in. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Parental coaching. <laughs> All right, Joe, we got a, we got a few questions. I don't know if you saw them. I didn't actually, actually see some I of saw, them, but I saw one of them. fire away. Yeah, so oh, we could save it for the later. I just wanted to. 
just let you know that we got them. I, I bookmarked them on Twitter, so we could get to that like towards the end of the podcast. What, what do you want to start yes, with, Joe? You want to start with the game last night? I mean, yes. Let, let's start let, with the oh. game. I mean, I brought it up. I was waiting for the boys to come in. Alex, what is with the Devils and the Bruins? Like, for some reason, the Bruins just can't beat this team. Yeah, I don't, I don't really – honestly, I don't really know. Like, this season's been so weird. Like, the Devils are not – they're getting killed by the Caps every time they play them, but they're beating the Bruins every time they play them. It's just one of those weird things. I guess the Bruins are not as deep a team as they used to be, that's for sure. And that's probably why Bruce Cassidy said last night that the, his team is not built to score, which was probably a shot saying, hey, I need a score for this team going down the stretch. Um, so, I, yeah, I guess the Devils just kind of match up well because, you know, Boston can't really score. And the Devils they got a great game from Blackwood last night. But, you know, they've been getting the job done against the Bruins every time they've played them. And it's funny because if you look at the records, I think uh, Tom Galetti tweeted it out yesterday. Yeah. The Devils are, like, very – like, the record against Boston and Pittsburgh, I think it's Pittsburgh, is very good, and then you look at like somebody against like you know like Philly and the Rangers, and then you got def, and then they're bad against like the Islanders, and surprisingly they're awful against Buffalo and Washington. <laughs> yeah, well, Washington. I mean, what did what was the stat on NHL Network or something that like Washington's like twenty four, like five and six or something like against the Devils. Like, over the last, like, however many games dating back to, like, 2015-16. Yeah, it's a bad whoa, matchup. Whoa. whoa, what's going on? Um, One sec. I just, I just got something from somebody I talked to said, Palmieri will be out of New Jersey. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 I, I think that's, not surprised. Not surprised yeah. anymore. I saw you guys know, uh, uh, forgive me from, is it Gian, Gianni? Yeah, yeah, he tweeted it, I think, earlier this morning that uh, they kind of ended contract talks and that he's going to be traded by April 12th. So let's see. I Do we think Boston gets him? That would be my best guess right now. I, I, I think Boston, because they, they obviously have such a clear need for goal scoring. And maybe they'll be a little more aggressive. My guess right now is he ends up with Boston, not the Islanders. Especially after Bruce Cassidy's quote after last night saying, yeah, we're not going anywhere until we get some scoring. Yeah. Yeah, that is a, absolutely the key word into leaking a, a trade idea, which I'm saying is seven out of ten times you, you're going for that guy. Yeah, and I saw, I think it was David Pagnotta, I tweeted it out. This morning too, Penyota. I don't know from give me from Penyota. That's how you pronounce it. it. Really yeah, Penyota. Uh, he had an article this morning saying that the Bruins are willing to move Jake DeBrusque uh, if it gets them a score. So um, I know. I think the Devils probably be pretty interested in that at this point. But um, you know, I don't think a. I don't know if a um, Palmieri or DeBrusque uh, one for one swap would work. But I, I definitely think they'd like to get him as a return. Would it, but what would they have to add to Paul Mary? It wouldn't like obviously like you said we've talked Alex like Vatnin and stuff, but wouldn't they just have to say like Paul Mary and maybe a draft pick or Paul Mary and like one of their young players? 
Yeah, I think that's possible uh, that you could just have to give up a, a pick or a, a prospect uh, going the other way. But Boston also needs a defenseman. So, because uh, I saw John Moore is out for the rest of the season after having surgery. So they need some depth. Um, and the Devils got three uh, defensemen who are UFAs on their back end. So, yeah, I don't know which one Boston would want. I think Kulikov would probably be the most desirable. But I could see them maybe going for Vatanen instead and then. The Devils retain some money on Palmieri to make that work financially, and there you go. Maybe you have yourself a trade package like Botten and Palmieri for DeBrusque. That that would and probably I mean, work. I would do that. And I, yeah, it's, I would, it's I would tough, take it. But, I mean, because you're giving up a, a top six score, and you know, normally Sammy Vatten's been is usually, you know, you can rely on him, but he just he just has not been the same defenseman this year than what we've seen in the past, and. You know, the good thing with Vatnin is he's very well liked in the organization. It's the same with Paul Mary, so they can always bring one of them back or both of them back if they desire in the offseason, which I think will probably happen. I think if Paul Mary gets traded, he probably ends up right back here in the offseason. Well, that was something like Dave and I were talking about like last week. Like we were saying, he's like, you know, it wouldn't be surprising if the Devils, you know, traded Paul Mary, but then, you know, signed him back in the offseason again. So, you know, it's it's like he's one of those guys that, you know, he's a New Jersey kid. Like, we talk about it all the time. He's a New Jersey kid. He's really good in the community. You know, he likes being on a team. But if he has a chance to go in and produce at another place and the opportunity is there, we know Boston tried to go after him last year. Something just didn't work out. You know, we, we heard Tom Fitzgerald say that, hey, the price just wasn't right last year. Why am I giving up something if I'm not getting it in return? So hopefully the Devils, you know, can get the price that they want for him and potentially bring him back. I mean, Jake, you know, we were talking about the idea of, you know, a guy like Blake Coleman who they traded last year who they could possibly resign to. Yeah, and Fitzgerald came out and said that when he traded Blake Coleman. If Blake Coleman hits free agency, you can bet that we're going to be interested in Blake Coleman again. So... I mean, that's something to keep an eye on in the offseason, too. But the, the Paul Mary thing is interesting because, you know, Fitzgerald said, like, you know, we didn't get the price we wanted. But you can't tell me that somebody wasn't offering a first-round pick and, like, a player or a prospect last year, and he didn't pull the trigger. And now, if he doesn't get somebody like DeBrus, he's lucky if he even gets a first-round pick. Now, he could only get a second-round pick and a prospect. And you're looking back going – Maybe I should have took that offer last year instead. But how did you know that? How do you know that he was going to struggle? And like, I think Alex tweeted it out last night. Palmieri has, or maybe it was Corey Matsasek. I don't know. But Palmieri's got like three goals in his last like six games. He's heating up at the right time. So yeah, he's been producing at a better rate over his last. Uh, I think it's like 23 games or something. I know CJ Totoro tweeted out last night he's got like, or this morning, he's got like seven goals in his last 23 games, which is a 25-goal pace over 82 games. So that's kind of like right about where he usually produces. So, yeah, he's been coming alive a little bit. And for whatever reason, he's got, what, he's got like seven goals this season and four of them are against the Bruins. And they're still playing. They got another rematch with the Bruins tomorrow night. So who knows, maybe he scores again. But, um, yeah, he's been playing a little bit better lately. I think 
uh, part of that is because he's been on the line with Justin Bratt and Jack Hughes. Kind of helped them a little bit get uh, get it in the groove. So, but I agree. I don't, you know, it's kind of tough. I don't think anyone envisioned the pandemic coming along and just kind of shutting down the season the way it, it did. And it changed everything as far as like free agency and trades. Like the market just totally altered right now. So, you know, maybe in hindsight, yeah, Fitzgerald should have gone back and been like, yeah, I should have taken that deal last year. But, you know, it was tough knowing back then how things would look now. So, um, but yeah, I think a second in prospects probably what you could expect for him realistically if they don't get someone like DeBrusque. What, um, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you guys. You know, I was sent, I I sent the screenshot to you guys, and you know, Alex told me I was a slow poke, but you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wait, did, but he did, but did he say did he say anything else besides no, that? Did, maybe, maybe a couple weeks ago he did. <laughs> yeah, what's that all about? <laughs> Wait, what? The hell is that guy that no, Alex, I sent him the screenshot like a, three weeks or a month ago. I think when you accidentally called me sweetheart or babe. Oh yeah, and I sent I sent it to Jim. <laughs> like, and I'm like, um, I got some questions here, but Alex, I'm not too sure about. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> whoops anyway hey who says it was an accident (laughs) (laughs) it sounds like chicklets oh my god anyway um mcguire was on tsn 690 and he said you know a lot of teams are calling on kulikov and my question is like what's the return gonna be for him like what's the most likely return and he said if the devils make the right moves they can speed up their rebuild and be in a very nice spot but jim you and i were talking and it's like what moves are you talking about dude that's gonna (laughs) speed this thing up yeah like yeah like what do you talk like what do you think Dmitry kulikov like and that's gonna speed up this rebuild like, I, I, I'm sorry. Like, I know Pierre is, like, respected and, and everything. And, and it makes sense if you're going to trade a guy. Like, Kulikov's been on, like, a lot of teams' radars. But I don't know if you're getting anything back in return that's going to actually speed up this rebuild. I think you it could get, like, maybe be... – yeah, go ahead, Joe. I would have to say it would be more like an asset and, like, a pure prospect at best when it comes to him. Yeah, I was gonna say that like it would probably. I think it could look similar to the Andy Green deal last year, where you get like a second round pick and just like if you get like a prospect like David Quenville, who's just kind of like a throw in. You know, I think it, you could get like a similar deal to that because Kulkov has been really, really good this season. Like surprisingly good. I didn't think he was gonna be you know what he's been when they signed him. So. um I think the that return could surprise some people. I would say at this point he's probably got more value than Ryan Murray. Yeah, yeah, I would agree mm-hmm. with that. 100%. And we were we knew when we signed him that we weren't getting Makulikov that was in Florida. Like, I mean he's he's been really good. He I, been. Yeah, it's, I, I, it's just yeah, I wouldn't have guessed he'd be their top one of their top trade assets and. I think uh, I had it. I tweeted some. I tweeted that uh, from prospect, NHL prospects watcher uh, saying that uh, 
about the Kulikov thing, and like I had a couple of people tweet me like, "Oh, like, I could see them like trading him now and then re-signing him again in the summer, like they did with Vatan." And I think that's definitely possible. Yeah, I could see that happening too. Hundred percent. Something like I don't think he's gonna go anywhere because, like, I think Nick Bellano put it out on Pucks and Pitchforks today, like a bunch of players, and then he put the percentage on like the uh, chance they get traded, and. The percentage was somewhat low, but I feel like this is going to be another one of those deadlines. Like the deadline's always quiet, right? They the same with the draft. They they hype it up that it's going to be so friggin' busy, and then you get the odd blockbuster trade here and there, and then it's just like, all right, well, so much for that because all the moves always happen like the week before, and then, but. I will not. I wouldn't be shocked if Fitzgerald got like a nice offer for Miles Wood, and then he was like, "I don't want to do it." But how do you say but... no to that? Right, exactly. Miles Wood's like, producing you... like this year. Like this is the best I think I've seen him play since you know he had a, he's had a couple good years in his roles. What he does, but. I think this year is the best I've seen him play since I think it was his debut season where he scored 19 goals. Yeah, that was 17-18 when they made the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to trade Miles Wood. Just Like, it's a little different than Blake Coleman because one, Blake Coleman is just a lot better player than Miles Wood. And Wood's also younger. What is he, 25 years old now? So I could see them being more reason to hang on to him moving forward. Uh, I mean, if they trade him in the offseason, that's, you know, maybe different. But I'd be kind of surprised if they traded him by the deadline here in the next couple of weeks. What would they even get for him? Uh, oh, man, that's a good question. I mean... They probably could, I mean, I don't think you're going to yeah, get... Yeah, no way. I think you could get, like, a second and a third round pick and, like, a okay prospect, something like that. You're, yeah, I agree with Jimmy. I don't think you're getting Nolan Foot in a first. That'd be... That'd be insane. No, that's like <laughs> even even we both even every even we can all agree like what Fitzgerald got for Coleman was, was yeah like ridiculous. Like even like looking back on it, it's like how do you pull that one off? Yeah, hundred percent. And I you know I think that was in a spot where Tampa identified like Coleman's this really good two way player that we we kind of need, and he plays with like a he can score, but he plays with like some grit, and that's kind of what. They identified it. Yeah, exactly. They needed, they needed it. it for their their playoff run, and it you know it ended up working out great for them. Like I don't know how many teams are in, really in that position this trade deadline. What um, is there anybody else that you, is there anybody on the team that you we don't think will be traded, but we wouldn't be surprised if he is, and he might bring actually back like a nice return. <clears throat> um. Would it be Will Butcher? Yeah, I was thinking that too. I mean, Butcher. He's got to be yeah. traded. Like, I've is he, is he still on the COVID list? No, I don't think so. No, according to Cap Friendly, he's actually on the defense list. So he's actually still listed on there. So he's so. just been a scratch. Yeah. Yep. Well, my thinking is that with like, if they're going to trade Kulikov or or Murray, they're going to need a left-handed defenseman to finish out the season. So maybe they they let Butcher get one last shot to see if he can make it work to close out the season, and then if it doesn't, they try to trade him in the off season. 
So yeah, I, yeah, I think that's that's probably I think that's maybe the more likely scenario. I don't. I would be kind of surprised too if he got traded by the deadline. But we 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 can all agree that if he does play um, after the deadline, if somebody gets moved, then it's most likely his last season with the team. We can agree he's probably gone in the off season. Yeah, I'd say so. Yep. Yeah, I'd, I'd say and so. And you know what? Though the thing is, though, is that like when it comes to this team, like they they're not as far away as like people think, right? Like, but like you know, Alex, you and I were talking about you know somebody who just has no patience at all. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't want to bring up names. Yeah, we're not I mean, bringing up names. We're just gonna say somebody. Yeah, I mean, you see it, but it's not just one person. Like I see it in the Devils mentions all the time. Like they roasted some guy yesterday who's like placed some. Uh, I don't know who was with it. They like he was like spend some money on the roster and uh, oh. they were like stop whining or whatever. So like it's all over the fan base. You see it, but like. I was talking to Jake about this last night, and Devils Insiders pointed it out a couple nights ago. But like, and after the win last night, the Devils are like 13, 10, and four against teams not named the Washington Capitals this season. Um, so like, yeah, you're right. They're not really that. Like, they're kind of doing all right. If they weren't playing, getting killed by the Capitals every time they played against them, they'd kind of be in an all right position right now. Or there's yeah. Lindy, right? uh-huh. Lindy Ruff who's quoting today saying we're in a playoff race. Yeah, yeah. Right. Th- that was a bit much, but like I understand okay. he can't be like, oh yeah, it's over. You know, you got to give the team some hope. But let's like let's face it, we played Tuesday against Boston, and then we got Washington again. Like we're not. I just you want to know something? I've I've been looking at the schedule and I realized who's after Washington, and I'm just hoping to God Buffalo wins a hockey game before. Well, they're up two nothing on the Flyers right now, so. Yeah, uh, yeah, so, yeah, they are. Yeah, Yoki Haru's got the first goal. I don't know who scored the second Maybe Yoki goal. Haru. Um, yeah, they're up two nothing right. The yeah, yes, but, but um, Carter Hart got scratched for two games. So yeah, this season's been a mess. But uh, yeah, anyway, back back to the <laughs> back Devils, to the I guess. <laughs> we'll we'll up the yeah. update on the Sabers if you know the thing goes final while we're recording. But um, yeah. <laughs> Is there any Jim? Is there anything you want to add? Like, have you, is there anything you've been hearing? Like, when's Paul Mary deal likely going to be? Is it going to be the deadline, or is it going to be leading? Is it going to be a couple days before? It all depends on where he goes. To be honest, like, if a team up north is looking at him and like really wants him, then he's going to have to go before. But the teams I'm hearing are as everybody Islanders, uh, Boston are two names I'm really hearing. So that means a move at the deadline. Yeah, and I think it was James Myrtle that said that like uh, he heard that uh, Palmieri's no modified NTC is basically all no Canada. So, right. So, and that's pretty much like everybody's like no trade. Like you, you've heard it from like Brian Burke. Like guys that have no trade, no moves. It's like when they're asked to waive it, they already say, "Yeah, we're not going to any team in Canada." Yeah, it's not so. happening. Yeah, I would agree. And plus, since Palmieri, I think he trains up in Boston. That's be a pretty good fit. And he was born on Long Island, so that's another good fit too. Like, it's not like he'd be going to places that are foreign to him as well. So, and each team would have something to offer in return. The only one you really would have to worry about where he goes would be the Islanders, because Lamorello lately he acquires somebody at the deadline and then he resigns them. So, I mean. The only guy really signed at the deadline last year was Pajot. And didn't he re-sign Green? 
Yeah, but yeah, it was only a one-year deal too. He gave Peugeot what, like a six-year deal or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't have gave Peugeot a six-year deal, and I wouldn't even have gave him the money. But you know, I was reading. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not in charge of the NHL team, so I don't make those calls. So he must. <laughs> he obviously knows more than we do. So. Anyway, um, he obviously has some sort of insight. Is there anything else like for the like this team? We we know they're going to be selling off assets. You know, maybe they can strike a hockey deal like the Brusque, like Alex mentioned. But you're adding prospects and picks again, which is a smart thing to do because you're trying to build up your, uh, you know, your system and stuff. So they're coming up and then. You know, like, that's that's another thing. Like, you know, Joe and I and Jim and even you and I, Alex, we talked about it. Like, people got to remember, like, Hughes is 19. He shares 20, I think. And Holtz is coming. Yeah. Mercer's coming. Foot's coming. You know, Tice Thompson's coming. Talvite, he'll probably play bottom six. Not all of them are going to pan out. The first three we mentioned probably will. Either way, they're going to have a role on the team. Um, you know, Ball looks like he has a physical presence going down in Binghamton. They got some of the D prospects look okay. But not everybody pans out who you draft. But the thing is, is fans don't understand is, you know, say Holtz comes in one year. Well, guess what? Foot's coming in next year. Mercy's coming in the next year. And then another guy's coming up, and then another guy's coming up. Like, that's how you build success. They just keep coming. And then sooner or later, the Devils are going to have to pay all these guys. And, you know, Alex, you and I said, whoever they decide not to pay, they can just trade off to, you know, fix their defense or add more goal-scoring depth to their team or additions to their team down the line, however they may choose. Yeah, I think that's probably like it. A little bit will depend what they kind of do with the draft uh, in July, but like eventually they'll stock up their system with enough probably forward prospects. That's really the strength of their system right now, where they'd be able to trade some of these guys away uh, for defense prospects. Like you know, Jesper Boquist might at some point like they just might there might not be a spot for him in the NHL, at least with the Devils. So that could be one you know situation where they kind of deal him away and try to get some help on defense. So like they'll have opportunities to do that if they keep stacking their farm system with prospects, especially up front. It's like at, at a certain point you, you get so many prospects up front that you have a surplus and you'd be able to afford to trade one of them away for something you really need to strengthen, which is your defense. Yeah. And you know, I think it was Shiro a couple of years ago. He said he was getting a lot of calls on Boakfist, and he was saying, I'm not trading that kid. Like, I'm not trading him. But every single time I watch him in Binghamton, he's impressive. But when he comes up to the NHL, he's nowhere to be seen. Yeah, I think part of the problem there is, like, they're not playing him at center in the NHL. In, in Binghamton, they, they play him as a center all the time, I think. Uh, at least this season. I don't know what it was like last season, but this season and the seven or eight games he played down with Binghamton, he was playing down the middle. I think that's his natural position. He just looks more comfortable there. Um, I thought he looked more comfortable there 
during the scrimmages they had during the preseason. He's looked more comfortable there in Binghamton. I think if he's going to stick with the Devils on their NHL roster moving forward, they have to give him a shot at center at some point. Uh, I think now would maybe kind of be the time to do it until Nico Heischer gets back in the next week or two. Just see how it goes because I think that's where he fits moving forward. I agree 100% with that. I think I think they tried him out at the wing. I don't think he fits there. I think he's he's a center. He's a natural center, and that's why he's looked so good down in Binghamton. And I, there's a reason why they brought him over last year when they did to give to give him a shot at that center position. I mean, it's good to see like Pavel Zaka playing well finally. Um, but again, we can't have you know you can't rely on Travis Ajax to be your number one center. Um, no. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And is this? Do you think Zajac's gonna stay again, or is it like finally, like, come on, like, open your eyes if the Islanders come calling, like, you might want to just consider going. I think he's gonna stay. I think Ooh. he's staying. He's got it. He's, yeah, he's yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. trade. So he controls everything, unless like unless they get blown away by a, a deal. Be like Travis, you're like we we this could really help us. I think he's staying. I don't think he would. Travis think has a no trade clause. No... Excuse me from Cap Ramley. Yeah, so he has a no trade clause. So last year they asked him to do it and they, he didn't do it. So and you know, Jim, you and I have talked about this a lot, and Joe, you and I have talked about this a lot. This team has like what 39 40 million in cap space this stop season coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. so yeah, it's but a lot. At the same time, they got 39 or 40 million. Okay. You also got to be you know, cap space probably isn't going to be an issue cuz you know, you got Jack Hughes's contract extension coming up here and assuming like are you going to do you think they're going to give Jack Hughes a seven or eight year contract, or are you just going to give him like a three year contract and say, "Okay, we still own your RFA rights, but you know you got to you got to do something to prove that we're giving you a seven or eight year contract." But also, who are they? Who like who who on the team has value in the off season that they're going to trade away? Like they're running out of guys that have trade value. Uh, have... Nikita Gusev, you could cash in right now. Well, yeah, but in the I don't office. even know what they could get for Gusev. I don't think you. I don't even think if you tried to move. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think maybe Vegas would if they're looking for a scorer because they're familiar with him. Um, but Tampa Bay. Nah, nah. I don't even think Tampa. No, no. they don't have money. Tampa. That I guarantee you. I guarantee you this. They'll have to do something. But their trade deadline acquisition comes into playoffs when Nikita yeah, comes back. Yeah, they're, back they're not going to do anything until he comes back. So, yeah, I don't think Gusev is going to be an interesting uh, – he's a bit of an interesting case because, like, I don't I – mean, if they can trade him, I'm sure they will. But, like, I really don't see who would try to take a chance on him now. I guess the hope is, like, after they trade Paul Murray, that frees up a spot at right wing. You, you try to get him in for the rest of the season and hope he can figure it out too because – he was great last season down the stretch. So, um, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with him. It's a, it's a tough the Uf- call. The UFA class is, is not that good. Like, besides Dougie Hamilton and, like, 
you know, Palmieri and maybe Hall, but Hall's not coming back. So there's, you know, it like who who are you going after? And like who on this team has trade value? Severson. Yeah. Like, and you're not. Yeah. You're yeah. Not I don't getting, know. You aren't giving up him unless you get blown away. Yeah, and Will Butcher too. And Subban's not bringing back nothing, even if you eat half his salary. Yeah. So it's like who. Who do they who do they have to give up for somebody? Like is that Fitzgerald's plan? He's just but he's gotta reach the cop floor. But I mean they'll gonna, figure it out. They'll figure it out. Like I'm sure there's gonna be moves where you're gonna be like, whoa, they got this guy for that, but sooner or later, you know, it's nothing and I have nothing against like Nico's good with whoever Nico plays with. I I think Nico Heacher can be a seventy point player. I don't think he's gonna be an eighty point player, but I think he'll be a he can be a sixty five to 70-point player. Jack Hughes has the potential to be an 80- to 100-point player, but the problem is is, you know, the one thing I disagree with Fitzgerald on was we're not going to make these big additions until Jack and Nico take off. Well, hate to break it to you, bud, but kind of hard for a center to take off when he's got no no wingers he's playing with. I agree. I 100% agree with that. I mean, look, he's got no wingers to, you know, do anything. But, I mean, he got, he's yeah, definitely he played better than he did last year. But, but the, like, I agree. There's, who on this team is, you know, helping this kid out? Like, he can't do it all by himself. Like, as much as he put on the weight and has looked better, you got to give him help. And not to mention, oh, you want your, your centers to take off. Well, one of them's got to remain in the lineup. <laughs> hit in the face and then have and then to come to find out wait a minute you knew he had something wrong with him but we didn't decided to hold off surgery okay Mm. that makes that makes kind of sense okay that that's fine but all right he could have been back by now but it's okay um but yeah they definitely these young guys definitely that's why it's like go ahead joe well i was saying like you know, Jack can't do all the work himself. He's not Connor McDavid. He need like he needs a reliable sniper, and this is where you you have Tyce Thompson getting that you know that look in camp coming in. Then you have uh, Talvidia going in for the bottom six. You have Holtz coming in, and then you have Mercer like eventually going to come in. These guys are going to start tapping in pretty soon to that new Lindy rough style of hockey. And before you know it, these guys would love to shoot the puck. You could put them on Jack's wing. And if Gusev does stay for another year and he finds his footing, maybe he does find the back of the net more. I like, and I like Gusev, but like this year, like it's just been like, like, you know, fans, you know, claiming to, you know, why isn't Gusev playing? Play Gusev, play Gusev. No. What has he done to deserve to play? I I've watched. If there's been some games I've watched where I've been like, okay, fine, but I'm so, I get so, I used to have the same like, and I have nothing against him because you know he's a devil's great and he's got, in my opinion, he's a hall of famer. But I used to go nuts when Patrick Elias would come down on a two on one and he would always pass the puck and I would just be like, why, shoot. The puck at the net, man. Like, and you used to see it when Ilyash would cut across the middle of the slot and get an open chance. He had a great shot, but and Travis is the same way. 
Travis's problem was always, even when he was with Parise, was he was always looking to give it to Parise, and rightfully so, and Kovalchuk, but rightfully so. But Gusev always, every time he comes down on a two-on-one, every defenseman knows just to take away the passing lane because that guy's never going to shoot the puck on a two-on-one. I've never seen him shoot it. Well, I mean, but, but early, like, but don't forget, like, you, you say Elias too, like, right? But don't forget who he was playing with. What do you guys like, think? When that A line was pushing, they had the best line going. I think he shot more when he was playing with those two guys. Um, and he developed that passing skills as well because he played with his buddy for so long. I understand towards the end they, he didn't, you know, pass and everything, but. He's one of the best for the Devils, so you can't complain there. I mean, the guy yeah, that's, did a lot. That's like, you know, he's not. He's obviously not. Yeah, I mean, Gusev. You can't. It's a tough comparison to make, and like, um, you know, I don't like. I understand, like, you know, shoot the puck and kind of stuff like that, but like, I don't know. I I wouldn't. I I just can't see that comparison to Gusev. They're two different players, too, in two different eras. Like, Gusev hasn't really played with, like, I guess this season, at least he hasn't played with some greatest, the greatest line mates that kind of, like, fit. Like, last season, he was with Coleman, who just had a knack for being able to put the puck in the net, and that helped him a lot. And then, you know, Coleman and Zajac were both, like, reliable two-way players, so kind of helped make up for Gusev's defensive flaws. And, like, I think, it, you know, Nico's only played in five games this season, and I think that a little bit hurt Gusev, because, like, if there was an a player who could help kind of get Gusev going two ways, it would be Nico, and he just hasn't been there to play alongside him. So that's definitely made a difference too. Yeah, it really has hurt him a lot, but it's allowed guys like Yeager and Sharon Groves to like really pick up the pace and start scoring, not just at his center, but like also playing on the wing at times. Yeah, Sharon Groves, I've really been impressed with, especially like now he's back. I think playing with like Zajac and and um um in really has helped his game. I think he I think he he came out of the gates fast because he had a leg up on everybody. But then when the league started to catch up on him, he took a he took a little bit back. Maybe wasn't shooting as much. I had some struggles, but ever since playing with these two guys, he's shooting a puck more. He's getting chances. Yeah, he could even have a few more goals than he has now. I mean, he's hit the post quite a bit. This season, um, you know, if he converts on some of those, he could be a double-digit goals by now. Um, just a quick before you guys before we continue, um, what's the recording time reading for all you guys? The what? Uh, it says a, like, thirty-six minutes for me. Thirty-eight. Okay, okay good. Yeah. Pull up. Yeah. Just. Because mine, mine says like two minutes and ten seconds. Mine cut out on me, so. Yeah, you got dropped a couple minutes ago. Okay. Um, I wanted to quickly, well, we kind of dived into it a bit, but before we get to the questions from people, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to stay quiet because they're going to put uh, the baby down to sleep. So, um, and it's in the room go. like right next to me. So, but. Um, NHL Breakers Instagram page put out a, every team's future and ranked the Devils with an A minus, and then the Rangers an A plus, and the Flyers like a B plus. 
which is kind of cool because then it means the rivalries are back. But um, just kind of something to talk about, like kind of just give fans a perspective. Like, listen, it's bad right now, and it's been bad for almost like 10 years. It hasn't even been bad since like just 2015 to now. It's been bad since 2013 until now. Like after that finals run, it's been bad. Besides that one playoff run, they miraculously went on. But just kind of dive into a bit about the team's future and what gives fans hope of what's coming. Like they're going to be, this team's going to be really good. It's just, we're going to look back on this and be like, well, this was, it sucked, but man, was it ever worth it? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, go ahead. Where do I start? Yeah. Uh, No, yeah, I was going to say I agree. Like even, you know, they got the young prospects coming up, but they're going to add players that we wouldn't expect, whether it's probably not free agency, more likely a trade, but, you know, going that way. Uh, they're gonna they they got young players coming up, and they'll have the assets to make moves to make the roster better. So, and you know, the, Corey Pronman had the Devils and the Rangers ranked one two in his organizational rankings. So, there's definitely brighter days ahead. Um, you know, it's just it's gonna have to take another a little longer than that. But like, you know, I was discussing this with someone, or some I saw someone in my mentions mention it last night that. After the Bruins game, like, yeah, okay, the team's like 13, 16, and 4 or whatever, but, like, at least they're – it's not like last season where they are just hard to watch. Like, they play well most nights, and, like, sometimes they get unlucky because they, they can't score a goal. They don't really have great finishing talent, but, like, they're a lot – even this season now, they're a lot more enjoyable to watch than they were a year ago. So, like, you actually see signs of progress. Like, it's, it's there. You know, it just hasn't really resulted in the win column yet, but it feels like it is starting to turn a little bit. Um, I uh, yeah, speaking of that, I have a question, and I think the Devils put it out on their like they because they do those little episodes, like six, seven minute episodes that they release every once in a while. So, you guys remember because this sort of has something to do with this. So you guys remember, um, obviously, we took Colts seventh overall, right? Yeah, so. You guys yeah. remember in the video that I think the Devils put out, and it was like the sneak peek into the room with the draft and stuff, and mm-hmm. Fitzgerald's looking at Broder and everybody else, and he's like, I feel like we should trade back. Should we trade back? And then, you know, Marty and everybody else is like, yeah, but you're not going to get Holtz if you trade back. So it's like, okay, but my question about that, and I got thinking about this was, was Holtz the guy that he wanted or was he hoping to trade back because he thought, you know, is there somebody else that's dropping that he wanted to grab was Perfetti, maybe the guy that he wanted and he wanted to trade back because he thought he was slipping. Like it's, I have some questions. I think Jim, you got, you got more yeah. insight, I think than most of us. So, I mean, there was definitely talk of them shading back for sure, no doubt. Um, but again, like Alex and I have stated, you know, numerous times, I think Holtz is the right call for the Terry Twins. I mean, you got to take one of those guys. They, I mean, the way they were coming in on their draft year, it was when you were at that position, they had a good, they could have selected a bunch of guys at seven, but with Holtz on the board. 
I think yeah, I agree. I think off. they were taking either of the Swedes there. I think they were. If Lucas Raymond was there instead of Alexander Holtz, they would have probably taken Lucas Raymond. I think those were their their two picks there. I don't think Marco Rossi was ever under consideration. I don't. I mean, Perfetti was a. Most people had Perfetti as a top five pick, and so he was like already slipping at that point. So like, if they wanted to take him at seven, then they probably would have just taken him there. Um. So. Yeah, I think that was the right pick. It was definitely going to be either Holtz or Raymond. I feel pretty good about saying that. Okay, I'm, yeah, I'm just, I was just curious because I just remember him saying that, and I was like, oh, that kind of took me off guard a bit. Yeah, I, but, I, I say Holtz at this point. I mean, that's the right call for me. I mean, yeah, yeah. But he's playing yeah, with yeah. a with a shoddy Gardens club that doesn't know really how to coach the kid. No, they got him playing on the fourth line. Yeah, it's been a they've been a bit of a mess this season. So they might their season might be done yet uh, by this week. It depends what happens with the rest of the SHL schedule. And but, Alex, you and I have said though that this, just because he's on the fourth line, and you know people look at him and go, "Oh, he's only got seven goals," but you know seven goals and over in that league in a season is considered pretty good. Yeah, I mean he's got like eighteen points and like. 39 games or whatever that production is basically in line with what Lucas Raymond and Noel Gundler have done this this season so like he's producing with the other top prospects in the 2020 class did in the Sweden so like yeah he's been fun yeah and they're yes. playing against other former NHL AHL guys yeah so yeah he's been fun um, so what are these, so you guys have questions that we're, that we're going to be answering? Yeah, I got a few questions from, uh, let's see. Yeah, I got a few questions. Some people, uh, had multiple questions in their tweets they sent, but, um, yeah, I mean, you want to go over them? Yeah, sure. Why? Yeah. Right. Yeah, let's do them. So let me just open up my Twitter one second because I bookmarked these there. All right. So let's start with this one patrick asks us what young guns would you seek in a realistic trade this deadline or the summer anyone not on the general radar yeah that's a good question uh well i think everyone's going to talk about johnny goudreau but i'm not really sure he's a fit for the devils yeah um plus he's only got like a year left on his contract and he's already 27 um, not on the. I don't know. What do you guys think? Who's someone who's not on the radar? Like, who did the Devils get last season in the like Ryan Murray? Like Ryan Murray. They got. Uh, they got. Yeah. Ryan so, like, Murray. who do you think could be those kind of type of deals this off season? Ooh. I well, I'm thinking. Well, I'm thinking prospect right now. I'm. Does Montreal even have any cap space? They don't. No. They don't. And they're not giving up Caulfield. No, no way. There's no way. Because that, that, as, no. as much as that no. was the Jack Hughes, Kapil Cochran no. draft, that's probably the steal of the draft right there. Yeah. Um, no. I tell you who I do like from Montreal that certainly is a defenseman, Victor Mete. And then a, a forward, Ryan Paling. Yeah, that's that's who I was just gonna say from Montreal. Yeah, I think that's a good one, Mete. Um, yeah, he's yeah, not. Uh, he's only twenty two, which is crazy. He's been in the NHL for like four seasons already. Um, but I think like he doesn't put up points, but he's really a good skater and he's effective in transition. Uh, he's only like five nine, one hundred eighty pounds. So maybe that's a little bit problematic, but yeah, I could see uh, the Devils going after Mete uh, to kind of 
shore up their defensive depth. I think he'd fit in well with the system Ruff has put in place here, where just kind of like I don't want to say run and gun, but they're playing a fast-paced uh, system that relies on being effective in transition. So, yeah, to answer Patrick's question, I could see v- v- Victor Mete being one of those guys that they go after. I got one. Go for it. Sam Reinhardt. Oh, Sam Reinhardt. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. How old is he now? He's, what, like 25, 26, right? Yeah, I mean, Buffalo is going to sell off, I think, everything this offseason, right? And, you know, you talk about, like, a a winger who can finish. Yeah, I think that would be exactly what New Jersey is looking for. I think – and I also, like, from Buffalo, like, I think – I don't think he's that good. Like he was hyped up coming out and he was good in the world juniors, but I, I, I could see the devils giving a guy like Casey Middlestad a chance or Sam Bennett or somebody like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah I've me, never been yeah, sold on Middlestad to be honest. Yeah. I could see, um, who's the f- Middlestad, uh, Sam. Yeah. I could see Sam Bennett. Maybe they take a chance on him. What about Casey Fitzgerald? That that's Tom's uh, son, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he's a pros. What is he? Defense prospect with Buffalo. Right-handed defenseman. Yeah, I don't really know much about him. Uh, is there, got, is yeah. there any big names like some of big names that we wouldn't be surprised we could see them go out? I'm trying to think of like teams who are in cap hell. Like, ta- like how much longer can Tampa avoid? You know. With the LTIR, like they they're gonna have to move like, someone yeah, at I mean, some it, point. Like the problem is, like their roster is not. I guess like Mikhail Sergachev, yeah. would that be someone they consider moving? Um, yeah. I don't know if they're gonna move Sergachev. Are you gonna move like a a, a Matthew Joseph, Killorn maybe, or um, yeah, Killorn. I, I mean, they're not gonna move Sorelli, Point. You know, yeah. guys like that. Um, what about Cal Foot? I think, what, yeah, yeah, maybe like the, but the, they have to protect him for the uh, expansion draft, right? So, you know, what about the Leafs? What yeah. about the Leafs? Ooh, William Nylander. Yeah, I just like you see, like Patrick asked, like realistic, and like I, mean, I don't I mean, think Nylander is going anywhere, but but their pro- their prospects oh. that are coming up, like Robertson, looks like he's ready to play. You know, Lilligren looks like you know he's ready to play. He keeps doing damage on the defensive end, putting up points in the AHL, and it's like, okay, well, they're just gonna let him sit there in the minors because they have no room for him. They can't afford them. Yeah, I agree with Lilligren. I mean, he was one of their like mid late picks in the first round, and he's he's needing that time to play. And I think New Jersey would be perfect for him, especially if you move on from Vatnin. Yeah, I agree there. Like they need a right-handed defenseman going forward, especially since Subban's contract is up coming up, you know, after next season. So I could see them going after Lil Lil Yagrin. Be a good fit. All right, what else? All right, so Dave Phillips, he's got three questions for us. So let's start off with the first Mm. one. Uh, Who brings back? Well, we talked about this one a little bit earlier, but who brings back a stronger return? Ryan Murray or Dmitry Kulikov? Um, I think you know we all we're in agreement that Kulikov, Dmitry Kulikov, yeah, at this point, right? Yeah. Better, better position player. He's got a good shot. He can he can skate really well. 
He doesn't have the health issues like Murray. Yeah, so I think we're in all in agreement there that Kulikov would bring back the stronger return. Uh, his next question is, would a team take on P.K. Subban's contract this deadline? I guess I'll, I'll, take, I'll take this one. Oh, I can see it. I'll say no, but I will say this. In the offseason, I will say they have a better chance of moving him then because more teams will know their cap situation and they'll be able to figure out like, Hey, can we take on half his contract for the rest of the year, et cetera. I think if you're moving Subban, it's more of an off season thing. Yeah, I agree there. I don't think he'll get moved at the deadline, but yeah, if they retain salary, I could see them, uh, you know, being moving on from Subban in the off season. I would say no to the trade deadline. Yes, to Seattle trying to use the $9 million to hit the cap floor. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Yeah, I, I could see that. I think I've, a lot of people, have, when I've written about Subban and like potential teams, they've always brought up Seattle expansion because I, I believe in, in my heart of hearts and from people I've talked to that Corey Schneider was on this team still. He would be one of those guys that you know Seattle might have had to pick up because of cap space. So Subban could be a guy, unless the Devils just decide, all right, it's nine million dollars, and we're just gonna play it out. Yeah, I could see them going that ladder route as well as like, you know, he was he's playing, he's had a pretty good season, especially compared to last year. So I could see them being like, yeah, you know, we'll just write out the last season of a deal, you know, expiring anyways. Just because you need veteran leadership for young kids. Yeah. So. And and not to mention if they got rid of nine million dollars. Yeah, so I could see them taking him, uh, keeping him. I mean, all right. And then Dave's last question is: Does Paul Mary get them a first rounder? It's a toss up. It's Uh, a late first, early second. Yeah, like if it's a team like Boston or Colorado, whose draft pick is going to be in the late twenties, there's not really that much of a difference between that and an early second round pick. So like, I guess yeah, if I, I I would say no, but I wouldn't rule it out either. I think it's possible that if a team's desperate enough and they're picking late enough in the first round, that yeah, it's possible New Jersey could get a first round for a uh, pick for Paul Mary. Yeah, I could see it. I could definitely see a first round pick, but it it would have to be a late. One yeah, the only teams I think teams. that. Like... Besides Boston and the Islanders, you're going to see like Toronto try this, try and get them and see what they can do. You're going to see Colorado, you're going to see, and maybe Florida just to see if they can give them an extra scoring boost. But other than that, I don't know who else is going to be interested in them. There's probably a surprise team, though. Yeah, especially for a first round pick, too. So we'll see. All right. So this one is. Not necessarily a question, but Bond245 has a few mock trades for us, and he's asking us to tell him who says no. So his first one is uh, Rodian Amirov and Lilligren or Topi Niemila uh, for Paul Murray, 50% retained, and Ryan Murray or Kulikov, 50% retained. So Amirov, Lilligren. Or Niemila for Paul Murray, 50% retained. And Murray or Kulikov, 50% retained. Who says no? 
I would say Toronto says no to that. I'd say Toronto says no. I think Toronto I definitely Toronto says, Toronto definitely says, no, says because no because they don't want to give up too many of those really good Yeah, players. I just don't see any scenario where Toronto – like, I know Amirov is a great prospect, but I like – if Toronto's going to give him up, it would be for someone like Taylor Hall. I don't would think it would be for Paul Murray. Even if there's an additional asset like Murray or Kulikov going to Toronto and the salary retained, I just, just don't see Amirov being part of that package. Yeah, and I don't – and Amirov's probably like two, three years away. Yeah. If that – and then – but Lilligren, he's probably going to step yeah. in here in the next year or two because defensemen take longer to develop and – He's starting to come into his own. So yeah, all right. So we're I guess we're all in agreement there. Uh, next one is also Toronto related. Uh, Topi Nimala and a 2021 first rounder for Paul Mary with 25 percent salary retained. I'm gonna say New Jersey says no. Really? To that? Yeah. For Nimala and a yeah. 21 first rounder. Oh, I'm not. Oh, first yeah, rounder? Tw- Topi Nimula and a 2021 first rounder for Paul Mary with 25% oh, retained. New okay, New Jersey says yes to that. I didn't hear the first round yes. part. I was going... I, yeah, I, I agree. I think, yeah, I think that, yes that deal's that. not... I mean, I, if that was a 2021 second round pick in Nimula, I would I say both teams say yes to that for sure. I think in this case, I would say Toronto says no. I don't think they would give up a first for Paul Mary. I I no. I was saying no because I didn't hear the first round pick part, but I was gonna. I thought New Jersey might want to ask for you know maybe a little bit better prospect than that, but yeah. So that that's like that's not a crazy. That's definitely a doable uh, proposal. All right, then he's got one yeah, left. The Leafs, the Leafs are Stanley Cup contenders or playoff contenders, whatever you want to call them, and they don't need first round picks. So. Yeah, so that's not too far fetched for sure. And then his last one is uh ooh, all right, so Boston's first round pick and Lowry, I don't I don't know, L O H R E I. Uh probably butchering that name and a 22nd and a 2022 <laughs> second rounder for Paul Mary 50% retained. So a Boston first, a pros- yeah, I'd say Boston too. Boston first, a prospect, a 2022 second rounder for Paul Mary, 50% retained. Done. I would do yeah. that. I'm, take- I'm taking a first-round pick. Yeah, I Boston, I think, yeah. 100% says no to that, though. I think that's that's too much for Paul Mary, even with the 50% retained. You're a rebuilding organization. You're trying to rebuild again. So any first-round pick you can get in the deal for any of your guys, you're taking it. Yeah, I agree, but... Uh, oof, man, that'd be a steep price to pay. I think for for Boston, I think that's that's probably overvaluing Paul Murray a little bit too much. I think realistically for him, you should probably like expect a second round during a prospect. Take that Boston first round out of there, and maybe. You could be able to... And yeah, I can, I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if uh, Boston would do it. They might, but. I... I'm yeah, I don't. I think on, on yeah, that. with the first round pick and plus those two assets, it's probably a bit too much. So, yeah, I mean, if it was like first and somebody yeah. else or second and somebody else, they might do it. But I'm three assets for one guy and fifty percent. Yeah, I would say they say no to that. I don't know. If so, and then it. Bond two four five has uh one more question for us. 
He says, also, uh, the devs seem to have an overload of young forwards, wings in the coming years, a great problem to have. And he mentions Holtz, Mercer, Thompson, Foote, Brad, Kokon, and Sharon Govich. He says, all can be in the top six, maybe Thompson top nine, but what do the lines look like in a few years? I'll take the top. I'll, I'll start with the top six. Okay, go for it. Um, I'll let you guys fill in like the the left wing, but your two centers obviously is Hughes and then Heisher, or vice versa. You're gonna. I would put Holt, me personally. I'm putting Holtz with Hughes, and then I'm putting Mercer with Heisher. And I'm probably going to put – I'd probably put Nolan Foot with – I mean, you could load up the Hughes line and have Foot, Hughes, and Holtz. But since you have a sniper with Holtz and Hughes, I'd be putting um, Foot with Heischer. Yeah, that seems and right. Having Mercer, having Mercer with having Foot, Heischer, and Mercer. And then, like, you could fill in, like, say, you know, like – we were talking, Alex, about the mock draft. I just actually was talking to um, one of the guys that put out that mock draft. Actually, he's volunteered. He might come on the uh, podcast and discuss his mock draft with us here. That's oh, funny. sweet. Um, but, yeah, you could, you know, hmm. say you draft Kent Johnson, and I've watched his pilots since I read that mock draft. Oh, oh my yes, gosh, am I please. amazed by that kid's sick. <laughs> yeah, he's really good. Dangles like McDavid. Yeah, so I guess when he's uh, when Bond is, you know, we have to take into consideration the 2021 draft a little bit too, because if they take another forward, uh, uh, with a high pick, a top five pick, maybe then that's probably something to consider, uh, for going down a few years. So, uh, who wants to give their lines next? Oof. Jim, you want to go? Oof. <laughs> I don't know. It's tough. I mean, it's hard to predict. Yeah, it's a good question. It's fun. Yeah, it's so hard. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, what they have, obviously, you go whatever combination of Hughes, Hughes down the middle. Um, you got to slot in Dawson Mercer, obviously, in the center spot somewhere. <sighs> well, I Mercer mean, can play wing. I. I feel like that's where he's going to be in the NHL. Yeah, he's going to be a right winger, I think. Man, I, I don't know. I mean, realistically, if these guys pan out like the way they said, if like a bunch of these guys are supposed to, I mean, you could theoretically have Holtz and Foot on the third line, uh, in the first line, and then have Brat and Sharon Gold. Yeah, the that's true, line. too. I'm trying to type these up because it's, it's so hard to predict. Um... I'm trying to consider like the 2021 draft too. So, but I don't want to go nuts. Joe, do you got any idea? <laughs> I think that'd be an easier question for us all to answer. Like, I'm, 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 I'm trying to jog in everything. Like, <laughs> um, all right, I think I got my line. So, like, maybe Joe, you got, yeah, go ahead. All right. So I got Jesper yeah, Brett, Nico Heischer, Dawson Mercer as your top line. I got them picking Kent Johnson with a top five pick. So you got Kent Johnson, Jack Hughes, Alexander Holtz. Then your third line is Nolan Foote, 
uh, Pavel Zaka and Tyson Thompson. And then you finish it off with a Sharon Govich, Maltsev, and Bastion fourth line. That's pretty good. And you want to know pretty something? Good. I think you could swap that Kent Johnson, Jack Hughes line and make that your first line. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. That, that just sounds nasty. Yeah, that could absolutely <laughs> be your first line. I was, yeah, no doubt about it. Well, I have a funny feeling that the Devils are going to end up in the top five somehow with the lottery. And I have a hunch that Ken, Ken Johnson gets taken a little sooner than that, like right after Beneers. And possible. I think the Devils will go with Beneers if they don't get uh, if they don't get power or Luke Hughes. So I tend to like the idea of Matthew Beniers um, being on the doubles uh, fourth line, you know, with Mercer. And uh, I would like to think, oh, may- maybe you start out, Jesus, <laughs> God. Uh, Maltev's still around on the fourth line. So you got a lot of grit and speed. Um, Holtz, I would like to think you have Sharon Govich would be your, your third line guy. Um, Heischer and Hughes are top your six. your top pair. You have Foot and Thompson on the uh, first and second line. Um, holy shnikes. Now I'm going to have to think of the left wings. Uh, now i got to look at Cap Friendly just to help like my if, good old brain If they don't out. take Ken Johnson, um, I can see them taking William Eklund too because he plays on Holtz's team. So like, I'm sure they're really familiar with Eklund as a, as a prospect and He's had an insane season with Jura Gardens. So like that could be someone else you're considering too. Yeah, the only the only guy. Yeah, and you know what, my buddy said this to me the other day, and he's a Habs fan. Is saying like Ratty has fallen has fallen off like a cliff, and I'm like, yeah, like I wouldn't even touch him. Like I wouldn't even draft him. Yeah, I don't even think most people got him outside the top ten now. Like there was talk about him being the first pick like a year ago, and like he just hasn't really had the season that people thought he was going to. No, is there any? Uh, do we got any more questions? Or that is it. I didn't even. Finish up. I don't, Joe. Do you have any other? <laughs> that is it. Anyone send you any? I was just trying to. What I was trying to do was I was trying to throw in. Um, I was just trying to throw in Yanni Kulkinen on the left wing, and I was just trying to throw in uh, McLeod on the left wing. So, basically, I was just trying to think of who else I would finish on my left wing if, if anything sticks around. But Yeah, I mean, that that's pretty good. Uh, someone just sent me, literally like two minutes ago, just sent me, do you guys want to get it in? Last question, I guess. Sure. All right. So Absolutely. John Ford yeah, says a bit off topic, but if Ruff insists on ins- insists on sitting sixty three Jesper Bratt, and we see an epidemic of coaches making bad lineup decisions, will the NHL ever go the way of MLB having front office making roster playing time decisions rather than the coach? Uh, coach Cashman being basically tell their managers who to play. All right. So, Jake and I are both Yankee fans. So, Brian Cashman has developed this habit of telling Aaron Boone who to play in the front office, 
who to play based on analytics. Yep. And it's ruined the game of baseball. Joe Torre, when he was the manager of the Yankees, set the lineup card, and that was it. He There was no say on who was going to be in that lineup from Brian Cashman. Brian Cashman had one role from as general manager, to get whoever That's right. George Steinbrenner wanted on that team. That was his one role. Now, it, because the Steinbrenners are running teams differently, uh, his role has changed a bit. He's kind of getting into the where – Oh, I don't know. He wants to put this guy in the lineup based on analytics. He wants to put this guy in because of analytics. And it to me, it's ruined the game of baseball. And, you know, I, I'm I don't like the whole it. analytics uh, bullshit with hockey. Like, And I know, you know, it's used in every sport. It's our sports nowadays, right, Jim, like you said, but it's no, you can't. But you can't, but you can't base your lineup on it. You can't base your lineup, and you can't tell me this guy, this guy. Because if you were really basing your lineup on analytics, Keith Kincaid wouldn't have played on uh, on Sunday against Washington. Because he was a losing – no. Nothing against him. He's a good guy. He's a friend of mine. But his record against the Capitals is not the greatest. But because Shesterkin played the night before in his back-to-back, the numbers say you don't play your starting goalie on a back-to-back. So there, there's that. But I don't think, I don't think you're gonna see too many front offices like they. The problem is the poster child of this was in Arizona, and it didn't work. But the thing is, you know, the whole analytics thing, and I haven't. And the same thing goes for a guy on our team, Andreas Janssen. The analytics said he'd be a great friggin' pickup, and you know, maybe, maybe he hasn't played this bad, but I mean. He's not putting up what I thought he would. He's only got five points. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I mean, the thing with analytics is like they don't. They're not like a cure for telling, making bad decisions. Like not everything always pans out. Um, like what John is saying is like I think some NHL teams have already started kind of going that route. Like that's why Gerard Gallant's gotten fired twice in like six years because he doesn't take input. From the front office, I mean, yeah, that's why he got canned in Florida, and I'm pretty sure that's why he got canned in Vegas too. So, like, I think it's already happening with NHL teams. I just, I don't know if it'll ever get to the scale that it has in baseball. I mean, baseball is so far ahead of every other sports league when it comes to analytics. They've been doing it the longest. I'd probably say basketball's next after them. Um, you know, <laughs> no, the, basketball, basketball they really the use like game. analytics, like they. Yeah, like the the Milwaukee Bucks are like the oh, yeah. I mean that's their whole thing. Miami Heat too. I mean every the the Philadelphia 76ers, you know, you know, trust the process. I mean, that was that was all analytics. So like I th- yeah. I think it, at some point yeah, hockey teams will go more to that route where you have the front office kind of getting in to lineup decisions, but I don't know if it'll ever reach the level that it has with Major League Baseball and even the NBA. No, and like Jim, like Jim has said, though, with the I, baseball thing is like the problem is, is you know, the the whole process now is like managers want to do your whole bullshit lefty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty. Well, I don't give a crap. If yeah, it's, it's so stupid. Righty, 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 lefty, lefty, lefty. If it's righty, 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 lefty, lefty, <laughs> lefty, 
and those are your best hitters, that's who's going in. I, I'm telling, like, it Jim, just drives me Jim, insane you, because, Jim, like, you remember, Aaron, like, you remember Joe Girardi was the king. Yeah, he was. Joe Girardi was the king of this. He was the, he was the king of, and I know this is a hockey podcast, but they brought up a question, and he was the king of this. Like, he would overthink the game. When your starter's dealing or the receiver's dealing, just leave them in. I don't give a sh- crap about the, <laughs> the lineups. Like, I really know, I really don't. But if the dude's dealing, keep him in. You know how many times Greg Maddox, John Smoltz, and Tom Glavin relied on analytics? None. Zero. Instinct. None. I mean, the game was different back then. I understand that. I really do. But the best – enough with this pitch count. Enough with six innings, five innings. Like, if the dude's dealing, let him pitch a complete Okay, game. so – Like, he's Jim, your starting pitcher two, for a reason. Like, points I want to add to that. So, you remember, I think it was – it was Garrett Cole's last year in Houston. So, you remember when Paxton was dealing in that playoff game? And Boone came out of the dugout and we're going, don't yep. do it. Aaron, don't do it. Leave him in. Come out and you ask him if he's good. And he's like, yeah, I'm good. Right. Left him in. Okay, let's go. Crowd goes nuts. Just about gives up a home run, but he gets out of it. Analytics. Now, analytics in game two, the second time we lost to Houston, showed J.A. Happ should be the pitcher. Well, as soon as I seen Happ come in in that extra innings, I'm going, Oh yeah, they're not winning this ball game now. There's no way because Jay Happ was king, and the numbers showed, the analytics showed that you know he's a good high fastball pitcher, and he might get these these hitters out. But when he they were bringing him in to face the heart of the lineup, you weren't you weren't strike. He wasn't striking out Carlos Correa or those guys, and it showed because Correa hit a home run off him. So. But yeah, I don't. I, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I, it as 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 one of the baseball memes as one of the baseball memes said when it was I think the Baltimore Orioles were in I can think they were playing the Blue Jays or was I forget who they were playing, but the George Costanza <laughs> line should have stuck with Britain. George Costanza. Oh man. But I don't to, to to go full circle and answer the question. I really don't see it because it's a different game, and you don't have matchups like you do. But you don't. You don't have that lefty righty matchup. You have that. All right, home ice last change. I want to. That's yeah. I mean, I could see like analytics and hockey like being so tell you like don't... you know put your lines like together. Like there was a point earlier this season when uh. Subban and Ryan Murray were still paired together and they weren't doing well. And I remember Lindy Ruff saying, like, I, someone asked him, like, why did you break up the pair? And he's just like, oh, well, we looked at their numbers and they weren't good, which was true. And he broke that up and eventually he went to Kulikov and Subban and it it's worked really well. So, like, I guess the Devils are even kind of using their analytics department to kind of make make some lineup decisions in in that regard already. So I guess... In the NHL, you you could use it that way to help you kind of put the right line combinations and defense pairs together. Yeah, 
I I still think like you need to have a blend, but you can't just rely solely on just an eye test and one just on you know just having the analytical game. Yeah, you have to have a both from a scouting perspective. Like amateur scouts have to use it for finding the right kids. And then you got to evaluate them based off skill and everything else. So that kind of like builds like a picture and then how you find that player. And then yeah. the same goes NHL and all the other leagues. Yeah, I agree there. You have to have, have it both. Like you can't just be using one and the other. Like you, you, you're not going to get anywhere if you're just using one. So yeah, I agree there. Like you, you have to be using both and kind of put them together and, to help you make the best decisions possible. So, Joe, is there anything else you guys you want these guys to add, or do you think it's about time? Yeah, to wrap yeah. This up? yeah, yeah. That's well, it for questions, anyways. So, I think it's time to wrap this. One I was up. gonna say, uh, I have a couple of articles going in on the Puck Authority. Um, we just we just uh, started our uh, network um, partnership with Ball Talker Sports just oh, recently. Nice. So, um, we, there will be live streaming on there. Um, with oh. them so wow. there's a little bit of so we're starting to learn the technology them. so um, with the pugauthority.com um, Justin Levine they just put on authority.com for you to read right. sounds good um, yeah. Joe you want to wrap, wrap this up sounds good alright so um, guys tell them you know where to find each other and everything else that's pretty much awesome <laughs> all right so uh you can find me on twitter uh at a underscore shivansi 23 uh i'm at the hockey writers uh so if you're looking for devil's articles you can find my uh publications there you know, sign up for our lose newsletter, and you get everything, every Devils related article that you want in your email. So, go ahead and do that when you get the chance. And you can find me, Jake, at Wakes Thirty Nineteen on Twitter, and Jim. You can find me at Jim Berenger on Twitter, also. The host on Mad Radio, the last word on hockey, lastwordonhockey.com. Get your all rumors, analysis, news, you can predictions, find me and more. On Twitter at J E R S E Y D E V I L O G. And you can find me on ins- on Instagram at Joe of find me on it. At the Puck Authority. I am Joseph Stanislaw. Um, don't forget to join B-I-G-I-T on the app for those of you in the States minus Nevada with restrictions apply. Um, use H-U-H-2021 referral code. So uh, other than that, it's been a great podcast. Um, peace out, everyone. Let's go. Like I, oh, let's go Devils. Let's go Devils. We'll talk to you later.